With SDPB News, I'm Megan Fury. Black Hills and nearby residents are voicing concerns about a proposed gold exploration project west of the city of Custer. That came during a sometimes tense National Forest Service public information hearing last week. SDPB's Lee Strubinger has more. Minnesota-based F3 Gold is a prospecting company with several claims around the Black Hills. The company specializes in drilling three-inch holes to locate any gold underground. Leanne McWhorter is a resident of Custer and lives near the proposed exploration site. She says she was hoping to hear from the company, but was disappointed when they didn't show up. I will say, first of all, I'm not necessarily against it or for it. I don't have enough information, and that's what I came here for tonight, and the mining company did not provide it, so that's not a vote of confidence from there. McWhorter gets her water from a private well and is concerned about drilling near it. The Forest Service cannot approve or deny an exploratory drilling project. Rather, they can set restrictions to protect natural resources and minimize surface damage. F3 Gold wants to start the Newark Exploratory Drilling Project in May of this year. The Black Hills National Forest is proposing the project be approved as a categorical exclusion, which would not require either an environmental assessment nor impact statement. Many called for both. Others attending the hearing opposed gold exploration as a treaty violation. Frank Starr comes out as the Oglala Sioux tribal president. You know, we, we have a long history of, of fighting, uh, of handling situations like this. And it's kind of ironic how the, the people of Custer are, are expressing the same questions we do. Star Comes Out says the tribe will support Custer residents in their opposition to the exploration project. Hell Canyon District Supervisor Rob Holscher says the Forest Service will hold more public hearings on the project. I'm SDPB's Lee Strubinger in Custer. Governor Christy Nome's paid family leave bills have died in peer. The bills attempted to offer further paid family leave to state workers and allow private businesses to buy in. SDPB's Evan Walton reports. Governor Nome backed Senate Bill 154 and House Bill 1151 this legislative session. Each bill addresses paid family leave. The first bill to die in committee was Senate Bill 154. The bill was designed to offer $20 million in state grant funding for businesses to join a family leave insurance plan. House Bill 1151 was the second part of Nome's family leave plan that would extend current state employee benefits. Rachel Oglesby is the chief of policy in the governor's office. She says Nome's proposed family leave bills are based off a similar program already in place in New Hampshire. With House Bill 1151, we can both expand the benefits offered to state employees and create a new affordable option for private businesses and public sector entities to offer this benefit to their employees as well. Opponents of the bill praised the governor's office for their idea, but had fundamental issues with how the bills were drafted. Representative Linda Duba brought forward the motion to defer House Bill 1151 to the 41st legislative day. She says she is surprised the governor's office did not contact South Dakota-based businesses on the proposed bill. Family leave is important, and I don't want to diminish that. Being the mother of three children who are now adults, and someday maybe they will need that benefit as well. But I, I just don't feel that this mechanism is, is in the right direction, and the fact that we didn't work with any of these small business or medium-sized businesses in this state and, and really, the New Hampshire plan is, is much different than what we're proposing here. So in that regard, that's why I brought the motion. 
both bills were defeated, but left legislators discussing the need for a better family leave bill in the future. I'm SDPB's Evan Walton. The House Local Government Committee is advancing a bill that changes absentee voting procedures and shortens the early voting window. This comes despite opposition from those who run the state's elections. SDPB's C.J. Keene has more. House Bill 1217 hardens requirements to vote absentee in South Dakota. It's presented by Representative Scott Odenbach. The Spearfish Republican argues most voting should be done on Election Day. Now we have uh, what many have described me as election month or election quarter. Absentee voting goes on too long, increasing the burden on our auditors to staff and maintain voting centers, and in the future could provide opportunities for fraud as it goes on and on. A third concern was the ballot drop boxes, which are so ripe for fraud and abuse, and I think should be something we should stop before it ever becomes another thing that is just something we take for granted and part of our elections. Despite the intention to lessen workloads for election workers, the bill faced opposition by county auditors themselves. That includes Susan Kipke from Davison County. Well, I would just like to say that auditors across the state run their elections with the utmost integrity. We're talking about our reputations. We do not want our reputations tarnished, and we take elections very seriously. I just, I, I will never be in favor of shortening the absentee voter time. It is not a burden on auditors. It's part of our job. Auditors from Davison, Harding, and Pennington counties also spoke against the bill. Still, for some committee members, the issue at hand remained election security. Representative Sue Peterson of Sioux Falls said the bill merited further discussion. We've seen a number of election integrity bills coming through the legislature, and I think that it makes sense for us to keep some of these alive on the House side. I think this bill contains some um, critical elements that need to be considered and should be heard by the whole body. After some debate, HB 1217 advanced on a 7-5 to vote. I'm SDPB's CJ Keene. A bill to limit the use of state aircraft was killed in a Senate Transportation Committee. Senator Reynold Nesiba says the bill is necessary to support current state law. What I'm trying to get at is that when the people of South Dakota passed this in 2006, it was passed and it was advertised and debated with no exceptions, that the state airplane should only be used for state business and nothing else, that you couldn't combine a personal or event with it. If you're going to do a social event or a political event, you can take a different plane. Opponents say the bill will have unforeseen consequences. Joel Junt is the secretary for the South Dakota Department of Transportation, he says the bill would interrupt many important missions already in motion. First is the South Dakota National Guard. They use the aircraft to transport families of deceased Guard members. These family members are allowed to travel on state aircraft so they're present when their deceased loved ones return home. The bill was defeated in a 6-1 to one vote. It comes after Governor Kristi Noem faced a complaint over using the state plane to fly to political events. A DCI investigation cleared her of any wrongdoing. SDPB's legislative coverage is supported by the Friends of SDPB with corporate support from the South Dakota Bar Foundation and SDN Communications. A bill that would have used South Dakota taxpayer dollars on private school vouchers was killed in the House Education Committee. House Bill 1234 drew strong debate over the role of private schools in education funding. SDPB's C.J. Keene has more. The bill would have created a taxpayer-funded voucher program to benefit students enrolled in private schools. Representative John Hansen presented the bill to committee. He says the bill creates more opportunities for families to explore schooling options. 
School choice allows for parents to choose the best education option that works for their children, whether that's a public school, a non-public school, or a home school. I, I think we should just allow for parents to decide for themselves which education option works better. The focus of education is on the student, and so we should fund the students and, and not necessarily systems. That argument was not accepted by everyone in the room. Wade Pogany with the Associated School Boards of South Dakota questioned allocated funding to private schools while the state's public schools tread water. I've heard many of you say we don't have capacity to add new programs given what we have. Sure, we have a windfall now, but we won't tomorrow. And so now you're adding a $46 million program. Folks, we have 176 teaching positions open that we can't fill. We have 50th in the ranking in teacher salaries in the nation. We've added 12,000 new kids to public schools in the last 10 years. We're just trying to keep up. Pogany also questioned the accountability of private schools, the equity of this bill for students in rural and remote areas, and a pick-and-choose taxing mentality. Another opponent, Diana Miller of the Large School Group, says parents already have a choice in education. You do have school choice. So this throwing around the word freedom, every South Dakota taxpayer has freedom to choose what he or she wishes for their children. The question is not freedom. The question is who pays. Let's be real about this. On an 11 to 4 vote, the bill was moved to the 41st legislative day, killing it for the session. I'm SDPB's CJ Keene. Governor Kristi Noem announced that she'll appoint James White to serve on the South Dakota Game, Fish, and Parks Commission. White previously served as a member of the South Dakota House of Representatives from 2011 to 2012 and the South Dakota Senate from 2013 to 2020. In 2004, White retired from his role as a district president of Wells Fargo Bank in Aberdeen. He received a teaching degree from the University of North Dakota at Ellendale and later worked as a teacher. U.S. Senators John Thune and Bill Cassidy reintroduced the so-called Stop Reckless Student Loan Actions Act. The legislation would end President Biden's suspension of repayments on qualifying federal student loans. The bill would still allow the president to temporarily suspend repayment for certain low- and middle-income borrowers, as well as members of the armed forces during a time of war or national emergency. The bill would also prohibit the president from canceling outstanding federal student loan obligations due to a national emergency. In November, President Biden again extended the suspension of repayments for federal student loans. The South Dakota Amateur Hockey Hall of Fame has announced the induction of 15 people from seven local hockey associations. The Hall of Fame will induct the inaugural class during a banquet at 7 p.m. on Friday, April 14th at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. The Hall of Fame was founded in 2022 to establish a memorial to those who have developed the sport of ice hockey in the state. The Northern Innovation and Startup Center, now called Thunder Labs, will host an evening of emerging tech on February 27th, beginning at 5 p.m. at Northern State University. It's called Emerging Tech Gamifying Education and will showcase emerging technology that can inspire local innovators and contribute to an emerging tech startup ecosystem. Among the featured events, Caleb Dishak, CEO of Fenworks, will share his startup journey. Attendees can try esports and drone racing and a chat GPT panel discussion. This event is free and open to the public. Augustana University will host a domestic violence awareness forum on Thursday, February 23rd at 5 p.m. 
The event features a community resources fair with various service providers and a talk from keynote speaker Leslie Morgan Steiner at 6 p.m. You can find more information about this event online. With SDPB News, I'm Megan Fury. And that is your daily news update. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SDPB News and visit sdpb.org news to stay up to date on our journalism as it comes in. And as always, thank you for listening.